Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. This morning, we're going to be talking about uh, the lost, the found, and the never lost in three related parables of Jesus. The first about a lost sheep, the second about a lost coin, and finally, a lost son. So to begin reflecting on lost things, I want to ask uh, an important question. Have you ever been lost? Take a moment to, to think about this, and I think this stuff is fun. We learn from each other when we share. If something comes to mind, a time or a place where you were lost, throw that up in the chat. Um, what it does is it shows us here at the beginning that we're kind of all in this together. My guess is that we've all uh, been lost at some point, but that's going to come into play uh, here in a few minutes. But I like to start with something a little bit more fun. Um, so I was reflecting on this question and I realized that in some of my wilderness adventures, I actually spend quite a bit of time in a space somewhere between knowing exactly where I am and being totally lost. I actually thoroughly enjoy that type of space, which kind of keeps me right on the edge. Um, but there have been more than a few times when I was pretty much hopelessly lost, and that doesn't feel so good. Now, I shared this story one time before, but since it's my absolute favorite story of being lost, I can't resist sharing it one more time. Eric Lindroth and I were backpacking in the Sespe, and we arrived in Ojai at about midnight to go leave at sunrise the next morning. And so our goal was we wanted to find this natural hot spring, which is easier said than done in the middle of the night in the dark. So we set out walking up the middle of a river thinking that we'll eventually run into it in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, trying to find a hot spring without any flashlights. Now we can only see a few feet in front of our faces. And after about 10 minutes of searching, a man suddenly appeared out of nowhere, just a few feet away. It was so dark that we never actually saw the man. We just heard what he said. He simply said, you're going the wrong way. And as you might imagine, in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, we were terrified encountering this person, thinking we're about to be the victims of some horrible crime that nobody would ever find us again. But he disappears and we keep going. Another five minutes or so later, the same man appears out of nowhere, this time holding an ax. No, I'm just kidding about that part. But he was so close to us that we could almost touch him, even though we never saw his face. He said again, you're going the wrong way. And then he said something strange. He said, dead Earl. And he pointed. We could sort of see the outline of his hand in the direction that he was pointing. We had no idea what dead Earl meant, but we walked in the direction of dead Earl and we ran right into the hot springs. Now these hot spring experience that we had was equally strange, but that will be for a different time. 
Now, hopefully all of us can recall a time in our lives when we were lost. So I was doing some research because I like to learn something new. So I looked up, what do you do if you get lost? The US Forest Service actually has a couple of recommendations. They say the best tool needed in the event of getting lost is what they call the skill of advanced planning. Something that Eric and I don't always do real well on our adventures, like the time that we hiked in the snow recently, one of us in shorts and the other one in jeans. Not exactly advanced planning. But in the event that you do become lost, the most important tool that they say by far is to have a positive mental attitude. They give you four recommendations for what you do if you get lost. And they use the word stop as an acrostic. Here's the S, stop. As soon as you realize you're lost, the best thing to do is to stay calm and stay put. The T is for think. You go over in your mind how you got to where you are and you don't move until you have a reason to take a step. The O is for observe. Use your compass or the sun, they say, to determine the direction based on where you are. If you're on a trail, they say, stay the course and only as a last resort, follow drainage downhill. And the last one, P, plan. Come up with some possible plans and then act. If you're not confident or you're injured, they say, don't move. So being smart, you may be able to self-rescue or at least allow a search party enough time that they need to come and find you. So this is the stuff I was thinking about when I went into today's text. What does the Bible say about God's rescue plan? What is God's plan for the lost? Now, before we hear Jesus teaching on this subject matter, understanding the context of the parables is really important. A reference to food connects all three parables to the previous chapter. The previous chapter was devoted to eating, both with whom to eat with and how to behave at such meals. Now, because the message isn't actually about that, I could have some fun with how behaving at such meals, kind of like Shay just did about the rules at church, would be fun here. Um, but what we need to know is, um, According to the religious professionals, Jesus is eating with the wrong people. We just want to keep that in mind as we listen to today's scripture, which comes to us from Luke 15, 1 to 32. And let's hear and learn what God's plan is, rescue plan is for the lost. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Imagine that. <laughs> and so Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 
righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, forgive me and uh, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He traveled to a distant country and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe Famine took place throughout the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off. He went to his father. But while he was still far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, he put his arms around him and he kissed him. Then the son said, Father, I have sinned against you and before heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I'm going to skip the part about the older brother, because we're not going to talk about him this time. But we remember that he had a uh, jealous older brother that was not so happy about the rejoicing. And the parable finishes with this. We had to celebrate and rejoice, the father said, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and he's been found. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So because we don't have too much time to teach three parables in detail, I'm going to do one thing only. Paint a picture of a common thread that runs throughout all three parables. And it's a really simple one. And you heard it multiple times. That Jesus celebrates by throwing a party every time that lost things get found. So normally, I think, when we hear these three parables, we hear them as addressed to people who are lost, which to many North American evangelicals is code for people who don't know Jesus, or in some language traditions, Christian traditions, people are said that are not saved. 
Now, as you may note by the way I'm talking about it, I take a little bit of exception and issue with that kind of language. But if you take a close look at these parables, Jesus is actually not primarily addressing the lost. He's actually addressing the never lost. Those that believe they already are good enough. Those who, like Shay was talking about in her children's message, follow all the rules. The Pharisees are the ones that are distracted by the rules. Those are the people that have no need of Jesus or no need for the repentance that Jesus is offering. It's to the never lost that Jesus directs these three parables. So again, I put the same question out there. Have you ever been lost? You might by now begin to think about this question more metaphorically instead of literally. Have you ever been lost? Do you get lost? Could you possibly be lost right now? Now, tax collectors and sinners, these are the folks that are coming to Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and the scribes believe that Jesus is partying with the wrong people. This is not a joke. It's not overstated, right? Jesus is partying with the wrong people. They actually called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard because of the fact of whom the company that he was keeping when he was eating. Now, tax collectors were a special category of sinner, <laughs> if there is such a thing. They were despised and are despised in most cultures, but particularly among first century Jews who paid taxes to Rome through these despised people. All three parables say the same thing, that Jesus celebrates and throws a raging party for the wrong kind of people. The despised, the sinners, the one that nobody else likes, right? These tax collectors and sinners, that they understood that they were lost. They're encouraged to repent, and repentance of any kind, according to Jesus, is an occasion for a heavenly party. To the religious professionals, repentance was about perfect obedience to the rules, but to Jesus, repentance isn't about moral perfection. It's about people choosing to change their minds or change their direction. It's about people choosing Jesus and his way. In order to choose Jesus, you have to have a need for Jesus. You have to recognize that need. The Pharisees couldn't do that. The tax collectors and sinners, on the other hand, they recognize their need. Jesus ate with them, right? And celebrated with them. So the shepherd in our parable is willing to abandon the 99 sheep that were never lost, okay? Hear those words. Jesus is willing to abandon the 99 never losts in order to search for and bring home the one lost sheep. This would have been a harsh word because the religious professionals would have known they're listening to Jesus teach that Jesus was abandoning them in search for the sinner and the tax collector, the wrong kinds of people, the ones that aren't obeying 
all the rules, but the ones who recognize their great need. So there's going to be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who need no repentance. We often miss the point. Jesus is speaking to the never lost about God's preference for the lost. The parable of the lost coin shows us God's attitude towards sinners of every kind, including uh, God's attitude toward people like you and me. God is like this woman, searching for a lost coin, not because the coin is so special, but simply because it was lost. God is willing to do whatever it takes to search and search for us because God is a seeking and loving God who never gives up on us until we are found. And just like with the lost sheep, a party is thrown every time one sinner repents and turns toward Jesus and his way. The final parable strikes a little bit closer to home. It's a little bit more important. It steps up the game here, right? A lost son, this son who wished that his father were dead. The son who took his inheritance early, which is a no-no, he's shamefully abandoning the obligation to care for his father in old age. This lost son sinks to amazing death, starving to death. He's forced to work with unclean pigs, even worse, forced to share their food. The picture painted of God in this is parable is perhaps the most beautiful image in all of scripture. I wonder if, this is the way I look at it, I wonder if that father was sitting at that window every single day, every single day his son was gone, this father, I believe, sat and waited and watched, hoping and praying for the safe return of his son. This is what parents do, especially when their kids are struggling. And when he saw his son off at a distance, he didn't wait. He was ready. He ran. He was always ready to welcome back his son. He did what was unthinkable for first century dignified men. He ran. That was something that they normally would never do. And what is this dad's first order of business? to throw a raging party. Rings, robes, sandals, fatted calves, all are given to restore this son back to this true status, back to a son. This son who was lost has been found. His son who was dead to him is now alive again. Jesus celebrates when lost things get found. Today is a communion Sunday for us at Lightshine, a feast that foreshadows the great heavenly banquet that we will all one day partake in. This communion meal is a foretaste of that one which is to come. It's a celebration that Jesus, just like these three parables, offers a feast for sinners like each of us 
And Jesus invites us to eat at his table because he says we are good enough for him. We're good enough to eat at the Lord's table. Imagine that. Jesus has searched high and low for each one of us. And now he's found us. And so he welcomes us and in fact celebrates with us. The heavens rejoice that you and I who were once lost have now been found. This may be the most vivid picture that we have from Jesus about what God's love actually looks like. This is the model that Jesus used for his own ministry of welcome to all the wrong kinds of people. It's also, of course, a model for the church today, for us today. We too must welcome people of every kind to our tables, and we try. Imagine the impact that these stories would have had on the people that were listening to Jesus teach that day. They learned that they didn't have to earn God's love. They didn't hear that they, <laughs> that they didn't belong, that they weren't good enough. In fact, they heard quite the opposite. They heard that they were good enough, good enough to eat with Jesus. They, like us, learned that when we go wayward, when we get lost, that Jesus comes looking for us. And when Jesus finds us, throws a big party, that is our God. And in a moment, we will join Jesus at the table that he welcomes each one of us to and millions of people all over the world today welcomes us to this table with open arms. Amen. We're going to spend just a few moments in some reflection time, uh, maybe a little bit different than normal, imagining ourselves being searched for by Jesus when we get lost and how that makes us feel. Imagine ourselves being embraced by a loving God who wraps arms of compassion around us and throws a party in our honor.